I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This time, a former Suns player who you might remember as T-Rex. More video in just a moment, but this is Rex Chapman's mugshot, and we are learning a lot more about the charges. Matt, I've seen the tapes. What happened to you in Manhattan Beach? Hard to believe that race doesn't play into that, man. Same cop, pulls me over, runs my shit again. I'm just like, you pulled me over twice in the last two weeks. Like, what are you running? A lot of the players that can consume cannabis and don't have to worry about getting drug tests, mm-hmm. I know me and Matt had a lot to do with that. Bro, you know how I feel about my kids, and you're in my house playing dad, and you don't tell me. Where does the Kwame Brown situation fall into that category for you? You got some real shit today, Rex. Welcome back to Charges. I'm your host, Rex Chapman. This is episode 10, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. We're halfway through season one and are so excited for what is in store for you all. We'd like to ask that you take a moment to rate, review, and share your favorite episodes with all those in your world that you think would enjoy our show. Encouraging them to subscribe goes a long way. Today, we continue our two-part conversation with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. In part one, we went hard to the rack at Steven's tribulations on and off the court, and we'll get back to his story shortly. In part two, we will be putting the spotlight to start on Mr. Barnes. As you can tell from part one, Matt is highly engaging and intelligent. 
Even Stevie refers to him as the brains of their unit. Matt is very savvy and media-minded now, but he had to learn the hard way just how. When he was approached by the tempting world of reality television for he and his family, his instincts said no. But when the big fella, Shaquille O'Neal, puts the battery in your back, it's a yes. In April of 2010, season one of the broadcasting behemoth, Basketball Wives was born to the airwaves. The drama that ensued on camera and in the headlines is where we begin. This is Charges. Charges. Matt, you went all the way out there and put you and your family in the limelight with reality TV. Mm -hmm. I know you said in other interviews that it portrays people in a certain way and maybe even leans into stereotypes. Who, in your opinion, has a responsibility to stop that? Is it you? Is it the producers? Is it the network? I think it's us. Um, Because people love drama. Drama sells. You know, my whole situation was it actually started in Phoenix. I'll take you down a brief road. So Shaq and I were teammates at the time. And, uh, man, I'm fresh off having newborn twins in an, on a new team in Phoenix. Probably been with my girl a little bit over a year. And she comes to me like, hey, Shawnee O'Neal wants to do a reality show <laughs> about women kind of behind the scenes, running their household, being moms, you know, our charitable contributions, this, this, and that. And I'm just like, TV, new kids, new team. I just don't think so. You know, so we're back and forth for maybe a few weeks and I'm standing firm on no uh, until Shaq hits me one day and just like, hey, man, you need to let, you know, let, let's let's think about this. this is going to be a good show. It'll be good for him. It'll get him out of our hair and it'll be this, this and that. I'm like, you sure, big fella? He's like, come on, man. You know, I got my hands on this. We're going to be straight. So <laughs> from that Basketball Wise was born, and that was some motherfucking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it also it also showed me another side of kind of in what I'm excelling in now is production and content creation because I was behind the scenes, kind of seeing how, you know, one thing about reality TV is is people who watch it think the shit is real. They don't know that everything is scripted and staged. What they'll do is they'll create chaos. And then they'll show your real reaction within the chaos, but the chaos could be made up. Um, so people really live and die by that stuff and the, and the shit is not real. So although it was a, a negative depiction, I feel like of black people and basketball wise and even all these reality shows, whether it's black or white, I just think people have to understand the negativity sells. But at the end of the day, people are willing to do whatever it takes to be famous right now. People care more about fame than they do about respect, dignity, morals, anything like fame, the price of fame. Fame is probably the most addicting drug we have in this world, you know? So although there were some negative things that came from it, I always try to find a positive lining in it. And like I said, it was being behind the scenes, like, look at this bullshit they're creating. Like, imagine if I had the opportunity to just be in this space and create something positive, some, you know, tell real stories. So that's kind of what got me um, thinking early on that, hey, I want to be able to tell stories at some point. And that's what I'm doing now. So, but at the same time, another positive was, you know, although I was a role player and a journeyman, Doing that reality TV flipped me. Now, I wouldn't say Hollywood because reality TV is not Hollywood, but it kind of put me in a different space as well. So now I have a whole new group of eyeballs of people that may have not known me because of basketball, maybe because they're not fans or I wasn't a huge star, but know me now because they saw my ex-wife and I on this reality thing. So again, there was some positives from it as far as just kind of like 
opening up and being in different spaces and, and, and being in that production space now and then kind of wanting to create positivity out of the negativity that I saw. But unfortunately, you know, they say things come in waves, but I don't think the reality TV wave is going anywhere because we live in a time where people love drama negativity. You know, you look at social media, unfortunately, now it's, it's similar to the news. It's a bunch of negativity. It's a bunch of people talking bad who are insecure about themselves, who want to project their negativity on other people. So negativity will always win and sell. And I think it's upon us to really kind of step back and say like, hey, there has to be another way. But then again, I can say that because I played in the NBA and was able to save some money and made some smart moves now. And I don't need anything like that. So I'm never going to tell someone like, don't take your chance because there have been some people who've stepped in the reality space and flipped that into a real brand and a business and, you know, are making money right now. So to each his own, I just wish that there was a way to create more positive messaging we're putting out there because not only are we looking stupid, but we're, we have the next generation thinking like, okay, this is, you know, I remember one time, I think while I was still playing, I was talking to a bunch of school kids. I was talking to a school and, you know, talking about what kids want to be. And two little girls told me we want to be reality TV stars. And I'm like, not actresses or, you know, like not the next step. They want, they said reality TV stars. I'm wow. like, shit, like we're showing wow. this next generation. Yeah. Like this is the route. This is the, the direction to go, which is sad because you always kind of have to be aware of what you're putting out there. So, you know, there was there was a few positives, I think, more negative than anything. But like I said, I'm never going to take food out of someone's mouth and tell them what they should and shouldn't do. I just wish there was a way for us to create more positive content to put out there because our kids are always watching. Yeah. It seems Barnes had forgotten to appear in court for a traffic violation, driving with a suspended license. The Manhattan Beach Police Department hadn't forgotten, though, and when an officer spotted Barnes and pulled him over, he wasn't happy or cooperative. In fact, the officer called for backup when Barnes allegedly made a verbal threat. Barnes was jailed, and Sergeant Paul Ford said this matter isn't through yet. Better around put your hands behind your back. Over here. For what? Because we know what's going on with him, okay? Yeah, but I'm with him, so that's what wife. I need to know. What? This is my wife. It's fake. Okay. So, what do you need to step over here? Over here. For what though? He's not being cooperative. Then we get down to get out of here, right? No, yeah, fuck you. You don't know this motherfucker made me walk home by the fucking playoff game. I don't know what's going on, man. Bitch. Okay. Just have him sit in the car. I understand that, but let's just get him. As soon as you get out, you're saying better, right? Matt, I, I've seen the tapes. Uh, what happened to you in Manhattan Beach? Hard to believe that race doesn't play into that, man. Uh, what do you remember about that day, and what do you oh, wish went man. differently? It was unfortunate, man, because everyone saw on YouTube what happened that final day, but they don't know that was like six weeks of this one cop fucking with me. This one cop pulled me over four times in six weeks. I was playing with the Lakers at the time. We're in the playoffs. I remember when I was injury too. I had just sprained my ankle. So I'm driving from the facility in El Segundo to my crib in Manhattan Beach. And the, and the first time this cop pulls me over. So I'm, you know, again, I'm fresh out of practice. So I'm still a little hot. So I'm driving home. All black Escalade, uh, windows down though, no shirt on. So, you know, obviously I'm fully tatted. So I see a cop get behind me, then pull up next to me and stare at me and then take off. So I'm like, okay, this dude was trying to fuck with me, but he's gone. And then like another light or two, I see a cop driving slow. I'm like, damn, is that that same cop? And sure enough, it was. So this cop went from being in the same lane as me to getting back to the outside lane slowing way down so I got ahead of him and then he got behind me and pulled me over I'm like what the fuck this cop just did all that 
and he ends up pulling me over because I don't have a front license plate. <laughs> so I asked him, I'm like, you literally, like, this kind of bit has been going on for almost five minutes. Like, you literally followed me all this way, stared at me, got ahead of me, stopped, got behind me and pulled me over because of a front license plate. It's like, you got to follow the rules, blah, 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 whatever. So he gives me a fix-it ticket or a warning. I don't know what the fuck he gave me. I go on my way. Maybe a few days later, same cop, after practice again, pulls me over. It's like, what are you doing? What are, I was like, what am I doing this time? Same fucking guy. Your windows in the front are too tinted. Oh shit! <laughs> so I smile at him. Like, all right, bro. And he starts to try to peel my my thing off, and I hit his hand away. He's like, are you touching me? I'm like, man, you don't have to just give me my t- my fix it ticket. Don't fucking put your hands on my windows and try to peel my tin off. He's like, you better watch your attitude. I'm like, all right, sir. So it gives me my ticket. I move on. So then this is uh, the third time he pulls me over. We had just got back from OKC. And again, like I said, I'm playing with a sprained ankle. So I'm heavily iced, both knees iced, ankle iced, shoulder iced. This guy, same cop, pulls me over, um, runs my shit again. I'm just like, you know, what are you running now? Like, you just pulled, you pulled me over twice in the last, you know, two weeks. Like, what are you running? Your registration is expired. And I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, well, in my records, it is. And I'm just like, what? Well, like, it's not. Like, I, you made a mistake, sir. He's like, get out of the car. I'm like, I'm not getting out of the car. He's like, you better get out of the car now. So he opens my door. I get out of the car. I go sit down on the thing. He's like, here, sit here. I got to go run some more stuff. So I'm sitting here just mad as a motherfucker. My phone's dead. Mad as a motherfucker. Next thing he knows, he's like, well, you, he's like, I need to impound your car because your registration is expired. I'm like, yo, my fucking registration isn't expired. You're full of shit. So I get pissed. I'm just like, man, fuck you. Fuck this. And he's just, he starts ignoring me, goes, sits back in his car. He's like, I don't know why you're still sitting here. You either need to call someone or walk. I'm like, this motherfucker. So again, I told you my phone was dead. So I walk maybe a mile and a half in flip-flops, ice bags on my knee, ice on my ankle, ice on my shoulder, the day of a fucking playoff game, back to my house. So I'm mad as a motherfucker. Like, I wanted to whoop this dude's ass so bad. So fast forward to the end of the season. Uh, My ex-wife and I are in Manhattan Beach. And if you're familiar with Manhattan Beach, you can park down by the beach, and then you walk up the hill to the restaurant. So we'd park down there, uh, went up and ate, walking back. And, you know, obviously when you play for the Lakers, you're in Manhattan Beach, you know, they treat everyone, rest in peace, like they're Kobe. Like So I had swarms of people, pictures, walking with me, talking with me, talking Lakers shit. So next thing I know, we kind of get down to the bottom of the hill. And, you know, there's like, an, so there's a parking lot and then there's the alley. And then there's the first set of bars and restaurants. So there's a cop in the alley parked right next to the bar, to a bar. And he says, Barnes, come here. And I remember that fucking voice. I'm like, <laughs> is this that cop? And I had the same Escalade. So he must have saw my Escalade in the parking lot. It's like, is this that same fucking cop? He calls me over. I look over. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this dude doing? And my, my ex, my, the twin's mom, she's a spark plug too. She's like, oh, what's this motherfucker want? So she's already on one too. So he's like, come here. And I, so we kind of start walking over there and he, he tells me to, <laughs> this motherfucker tells me to come over here and sit down in the alley where people throw up, pee. And I was like, I'm not doing, you, fuck you. So, he, but I don't remember what the fourth time was for. It was, it was for some more bullshit. So anyway, like, so when you start seeing people are obviously filming this now. So this dude's telling me to put my hands behind my back and come here. And I told him, you touch me, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. So as soon as I said that, he like, 
they had to be waiting on me. So he says some into his little shoulder piece. And I tell you, 45 seconds later, five cops come sur- howling, the lights on, noise. So I'm I'm there talking to this cop like I was letting him have it, saying whatever to him because I was just frustrated. Like I really felt like he was targeting me. So long story short, I ended up getting arrested. I get right out. But so then I'm just like, fuck it. I'm like, this dude was racially profiling, bothering me because come to find out my registration wasn't suspended. Everything was up to date. I didn't have no warrants, no nothing. This dude was just fucking with me. So I get a lawyer. We find out he's a new cop, basically trying to make his name on the force. So I'm in the process of suing the Manhattan Beach police because then other people start telling me, though, Manhattan Beach is synonymous for racially profiling, all this kind of stuff. And then I remember our our security at the uh, Robert Lara, who was Kobe's head security, but kind of our our Laker team security is like, Matt, you got a point. You probably got a case. But the last thing you want to do is sue a police department because then you're going to become a target. So I'm like, "Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So long story short. This dude pulled me over, harassed me like four times within a six-week span Damn, just to kind of make his name. But again, no one really gets to know the backstory, so people think, oh, he must be drunk in Manhattan Beach getting arrested. Yep. That's, that's the typical Matt Barnes shit, not knowing that I hadn't yep. even had no drinks. I was walking back from dinner with my wife, and I was just being harassed by this punk-ass cop. So Damn. it was fucked up. Amazing. <laughs> if you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. The brawl was over Gloria Govan, a star of Basketball Wives L.A., the VH1 reality show. Her estranged husband is Matt Barnes of the Memphis Grizzlies. Barnes reportedly went ballistic when he found that New York Knicks head coach Derek Fisher was hanging out with his sexy ex-wife at her California home. He jumped behind the wheel and drove 95 miles. What followed was a violent confrontation. The NBA and Adam Silver suspending this man for two games? He raised his hands. I I respect that. He didn't go get a gun. He raised his hands and defended his house. So, Matt, uh, while we're going down the shitty road, tell me about the day you were FaceTimed by one of your twin sons (laughs) about a party going on at your former home with one of our fraternity brothers, former uh, one of your ex-teammates, uh, being there with your ex-wife, what was going yeah. on in your life and through your fucking mind at that time? So, no, I, I've never really given the full story of how that day happened. Um, so I'm playing with the Memphis Grizzlies at the time and we have training camp in Santa Barbara. So I went out to Memphis early and worked out with the team. So I hadn't been in L.A. for almost a month. So when we go back to Santa Barbara, I'm like, shit, I'm going to see if and at this time my ex and I were on good terms. We were just ex. You know, we weren't together no more. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to see if, you know, if, if she can bring the twins down and stay the night. I'll get them a room so I can just hang out with them before I have to go back to Memphis. So the twins are maybe, what is this, 2015? So the twins are like six or seven. So she ends up bringing them down. I get them a room. We're hanging out the whole day. And then training camps in Saturday. And Coach Yeager said, you know, we have Sunday off. I'm like, all right, shit, well, Coach, can I go back Saturday, spend the rest of Saturday in LA because we're only in Santa Barbara, it's two hours away. And then I'll fly back to Memphis Monday, or excuse me, Sunday evening. And I'll be back in time for practice. Monday. yeah, no problem. So I end up leaving. And I kind of think this is where Kanye said that I drove 90 miles because I was, pro- I was 90 miles away in, in, in Santa Barbara, but I just drove back to LA at the time. So we're driving back from Santa Barbara to LA. And like I said, G and I are cool. So it's no, I'm driving her car back because obviously I didn't have a car out there. The twins are in the back. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. We stop and get some food. So me and the twins go and get something. And then we're waiting in the car for their mom to come back out. And it's her car. So she's on the phone when she walks out of the restaurant. And all of a sudden, the Bluetooth in the car goes from the playing the boys cartoon to her and Derek's conversation. And I hear some shit like, yeah, I miss you, baby. Can't wait for you to come back out here. And I'm like, and I'm like, yo, I know that motherfucking voice. Like, whose voice is that? I know that fucking voice. Oh, my God. And so they keep talking. I said, she doesn't know that their conversation has taken over the stereo inside the car. So I'm sitting there. And then once I hear, I like, I say, say something else. And I heard him like, yo, that's fucking Derek. So she gets in the car and I'm looking at her and her eyeballs just about to jump out of her head. I'm like, so she gets in the car. I was like, are you talking to Derek? And she froze. 
I'm like, Derek, if this is you, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you next time I see you. And then it goes click. And then the boys movie and then the boys cartoon comes back on. So for like the next hour, we still have like another hour in the drive. She's stone cold, doesn't say a word the whole entire drive. And I'm mad. But at the same time, I'm not going to argue in front of the kids. So I kind of just hold it in like, all right. We'll talk about this another time. So we end up getting back. She drops me off at my crib. I say bye to the boys. And I'm just like, we'll talk later. She's like, okay. So she ends up going home. The boys go home. Later that night, I probably get dropped off like around six. Like later that night, like 10 o'clock, one of the twins calls me. I'm thinking like, first of all, it's 10 o'clock. You're six years old, seven years old. Why are you still awake? Calls me like, dad, your friend Derek is here. Just the first thing he says. I'm just like, dad, your friend Derek is here. I'm like, what? And then he kind of gets behind a pillow and hides his face. Like, he's like, yeah, your friend Derek is over here. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, where's your mom and your brother? And she's like, um, they went to the store. So I called the other twin because he always has his iPad with them. I'm like, hey, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just got home with mom and Derek. But then I don't, I, he's like, he says Derek. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And looks up at his mom. And I'm like, let me talk to your mom. She's like, I'm Matt. I have company. We can talk later. I was like, if you don't pick up this motherfucking iPad right now, and I think because I cussed, she obviously took the iPad from the boy. She goes in the garage. I'm just like, so after we went through today, like you're trying to tell me you have my teammate over at my house right now. And she's like, well, I wanted to tell you, but today happened. and I didn't get a chance to. I'm like, fuck all that. You have my teammate at my house with my kids. And then she gets a little attitude and hangs up on me. So that's mm. the worst thing you can do. So like, like I said, keep in mind, like my whips are already in Memphis. So I don't have no car. This is before Uber. Luckily, I live with my homeboy. I have my homeboy Steezy staying with me and he has his little Bentley down in the garage and he's out of town. So I'm flipping my condo upside down to find these motherfucking keys for like 30 minutes. I finally call him. He's in Vegas. I can't hear him the first time. I'm like, yo, where are your keys? He tells me where the keys are. I go down there. I get in his car. As soon as I put it in reverse, I realize one of the tires is flat. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, fuck this. So I just put the hazard on. I lit my joint and literally from (laughs) Marina Del Rey, from my condo, I drove like three blocks with my hazards on smoking too. Dumb as fuck. But I was so mad that I just needed to smoke to try to chill for a second. Three blocks going like five miles an hour, go to the fucking gas station, pump the tire up and go over to my place. The altercation pursues. The funny part about the whole situation was he had one of the Lakers security guys with him that was a security for our team. So after for everything what? is done, for what? I don't know why. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Just in case, I guess. But funny thing was, I didn't even see dude until the very end because, like I said, it went from the backyard to the kitchen to the front room. Like I was on his ass, and every time I was on him, like a but she had people over. Every time I was on him. They would break me up. So I'm like, next person to touch me, I don't give a fuck who you are. You're catching it too. So then they finally let me get him the third time when I finally got some good shots in. And then they broke us up again. And all of a sudden, I feel like a strong hand on my shoulder and like turn around. And the security's just like, Matt, you know, I apologize, man. But I, just, you know, I think you need to get out of here because someone just called the cops. So I'm like, all right. So end up get bouncing. Get out of your own house. Right. End up bouncing. And, you know, they end up telling and, flipping the story, and then the NBA gets involved, and I take a suspension. So, I mean, it was a learning experience. Long story short, at the end of the day, 
you know, I had divorced her. We were past. We weren't in love anymore. I just kind of felt like there was a different way they could have handled that. You know, it's probably tough as a man telling your former team, like, yo, I'm hollering at your girl, but I would, wouldn't have liked it, but I would have respected it. You know, but for me to have to find out the way yeah. I found out, I just felt, you know, I don't disrespect people. I'm all about respect. So I just felt like the line of disrespect had been crossed and, and keep it 100 with you, motherfuckers die for a lot less. So he was lucky that there was a house full of people and it wasn't just her and him over there because it could have really got ugly. But fast forward, you know, we buried the hatchet, we spoke. Um, to me, it's about, because they're still together. To me, it's about raising these twins the best we possibly can and co-parenting. So now he and I are cool, on the same page. We communicate and see each other when, you know, when we're at events and They've been to my house for the twins' birthday. I've been to their place. So we were able to bury it. And when we finally buried it, I just told him, I'm just like, you know, bro, I know it was probably tough, but I just didn't appreciate the way this went down. If you would have came to me as a man and told me what happened, I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have respected it. We never would have had to go there. He understood, said his little piece. We shook hands and we've been cool ever since. But it'll be something that's kind of in infamy now because obviously Kanye rapped about it and everyone thinks he stole my chick. Like he started dating my ex-wife. That's what it was. No one, he didn't steal shit from me. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was, again, a learning experience Uh, I got in trouble for, I had to pay for. But again, when you get that stigma, this is Matt doing this kind of shit, not really knowing the whole, because anyone, if you didn't do what I did, you're a sucker to me. If you're going to let some shit like that slide, you're a sucker to me. So it wasn't me being mad. It was just me being a man. Like, like I said, you would cross the line on a, on a disrespectful front and bothered that you would date Max's wife, but I'm not really tripping off that. What I'm tripping off is you're in my house that I pay for with my kids and you didn't tell me. With your that kids. That was what I told them. With your kids. I said, if it was, all, if, all the women in the world, all the women in the world, you choose yeah. your teammates, but, girl. But even that, That's my but point. even, That's my but point. even that, Jack, I wasn't really tripping off that because again, you know, we weren't in love no more. We, our ships had passed. We were done with that. So to me, I kind of thought that was ill, but at the same time, what was fucked up? Because everyone knows what kind of dad and how much my kids mean me. So, and he knew that. So what tripped me out is like, bro, you know how I feel about my kids and you're in my house playing dad and you don't tell me? Like, that's why this shit went where it went. But again, now we're cool. It's water under the bridge. But at the time, it was, it was some shit that luckily just ended how it ended because it could have ended a lot worse. Yeah, you're a good man, Matt, and a big man. I'm. I, look, we talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I could have done we it. Talk, well, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. But you know, life is hard and life is messy. And yes, you can, you right. can, you can carry that hate and and anger around if you want. But what for? And you right. got your two boys. It's growth, man. And and you're right. gonna help people talking about this. You know, we talk about mental health. We talk about weed now. We talk about this. This is not a cool thing for men to talk about. No. It's not fun. Right. But mm-hmm. thank you for right. talking about it. We've spoken about marijuana use in multiple episodes of Charges, especially in my conversation with Bonzi Wells. There currently is a reckoning in the United States of America about the so-called war on drugs. The legal cannabis industry expanding with 33 states and the District of Columbia have passed laws legalizing cannabis in some form. On the flip side, within the last year, an estimated 40,000 people are still incarcerated for marijuana offenses. There was a recent time in the NBA when testing positive for weed once would get you placed into treatment. A second violation would be a $25,000 fine, and a third infraction would mean a five-game suspension. Now retired, Matt and Steven are both part owners of two different marijuana companies, and it's no coincidence that their hit podcast is named All the Smoke, even though Steven no longer partakes. For an athlete especially, cannabis can help reduce pain, inflammation, soreness, and improve sleep. 
The NBA suspended testing for cannabis in the bubble and for the 2021 season, thanks in part to the advocacy of Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. Being as open-minded and available for opinions as Steven and Matt are, especially on their own podcast platform, sometimes the smoke can turn into fire. Let me preface the question by saying I'm in favor of weed. I use it to maintain. How important was it to you both? smoking weed and be at the crux of your brand uh, that you're building. How important was it to you in your lives as players throughout your careers? I've been smoking since I was 12. And uh, I think the way, the things that I was surrounded around in life, if I didn't smoke, I would have been in trouble way more easy. Smoking kept me away from the streets. It, it kept me in the house. It kept me on the Xbox and PlayStation growing up. It kept me playing basketball, doing things that I should have been done. And transferred to the NBA, it helped me recover. It kept me focused doing the, the way that people uh, talk to you, the way they judge you, the way they call you a thug, the, all the names they call you. Uh, when, when you be in situations where you know you're good enough to play and they just not playing you because they say it's the numbers game, you know, all that type of stuff you deal with as an NBA player, knowing you deserve time but they just not playing you because you're a young guy, all those things, I think cannabis helped me focus and helped me keep a, a level head during a lot of times where I would have exploded if I didn't. Transfer it to now, um, I own a piece of Viola with Al Harrington. You know, shout out to Al Harrington, uh, one of the biggest black-owned cannabis brands in the country. I think it's been great to be a part of what he has going on because he's changing people's lives. He's showing black people how to create generational wealth. He's showing black people how to create businesses and help their communities benefit from these businesses. A lot of things that Al's doing that I'm glad to be a part of. Now, even though I don't smoke cannabis no more, I'm still involved in the business because I know the benefits of it. I know how it helps people. I know how if the world was smoking weed and not drinking alcohol, how much better this world would be. So uh, I'm gonna continue to stand behind it. My mom takes it and it helps her, you know, the CBD and stuff like that. So, and I might even, I might even switch over to the CBD. Uh, so it's a lot of benefits from it that I know now that I didn't know at 12. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be an advocate for it. And a lot of the players, that today that can consume cannabis and don't have to worry about getting drug mm -hmm. tests. I know me and Matt had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Agreed. Nice. What about you, Matt? My journey was, you know, my dad was a drug dealer. You know what I mean? So I saw everything under the moon. You know, I grew up in the 80s where cocaine and partying was just the life. And I saw it at a young age. So I was never really into it because I always saw the bullshit effects. But I remember, you know, the one time my dad was chill would be at the end of the day when he was drinking his little Budweiser, smoking a joint and watching a game. That was the one time that like dad was cool and he would laugh and we would wrestle sometimes. That was the only time I kind of felt like he was dad. So they also smoked cigarettes and I hated that smell. So I remember the smell of weed when I was younger. So fast forward, 14 years old, I steal some weed from him and try it for the first time. And it hit me and it knocked me out, gave me a headache, but I wasn't a quitter. I, uh, I tried it again <laughs> and uh, built a relationship with it. So, you know, I smoked all through high school, all through UCLA, and all through my career. And, and to me, it was an escape from my childhood. It would allow me to focus, it allowed me to sleep, it allowed me to, not at the time, help me recover, but I didn't know that. Like I said, for at the time, it was helping me sleep, recover, focus, all this kind of stuff. So it was amazing. Fast forward 25 years later, now that there's medical research backing up what I knew when I was a teenager, now it's starting to become a little more socially accepted. You know, before there was a stigma, stoner, loser, it, gateway drug, all this bullshit because there were so many stigmas built around it. But now that there's this actually medical research backing up what we've been saying, now you see the progression in professional sports. So again, as the last story I just told you, you know, I could be on ESPN for having 20 points, but then on the same night be on TMZ for some bullshit, you know? So to be able yeah. to block right. everything out and be able to just focus on our job because we don't get no passes. You know, I played the day after my mom died. 
I played as soon as I was done Damn. being suspended for the Fisher fight. You know what I mean? So there's always yeah. going to be outside noise and people don't understand how important our mental, once you get to the NBA, it's 90% mental. You know, everyone can do a little bit of everything with that athleticism, but, you know, how you're able to maintain it is your mental approach. So I need, as Jack needed, I needed that to be able to stay focused, stay calm, keep my ass in the house, keep my ass out of the real, real trouble. You know what I mean? So I was someone who, it was a real job doing it too, because there was a few times where I got caught, but I would still be smoking because I felt like I needed. I was had the football player mentality. So the only time I ever sat out of a game was when I was suspended or when I had knee surgery when I played for the Lakers. Like I played through ankle sprains, broken fingers, ligaments, all this kind of shit. And I was a social drinker. I wasn't a pill taker because they destroyed my stomach. So cannabis was always what I turned to. So I had to do a lot just to do it, just to smoke it, just to get by because I realized every time I did it, I was risking possibly my job. So, you know, fast forward, you know, getting out of the space, I really wanted to become an advocate because while I was in the space, you know, when I was in the, the drug program, um, one of the guys running the program, I just kind of asked, I'm like, yo, I know you probably can't tell me names. I don't want names, but I just want to know how many people are in here for cannabis. And he's like, there's over 200 players in here for weed alone. And I'm like, Jeez. damn, there's barely over 400 people in the league. So you're trying to tell me half, half the league is in here for weed. And That's they're like, crazy. he's like, it's everyone from superstars to rookies. And I'm just like, damn, I was like, something has to be done. So that's why I said, as soon as I got done, I wanted to advocate for it because I didn't want people to have to, we already have so much responsibility. I don't want to have to, them to worry about dodging a drug test, be another responsibility. So myself, Jack, Al Harrington, you know, we took time to go sit down with Michelle Roberts and the NBA Players Association, sit down with the NBA and tell our stories. And it's not only our stories now, but do your own research because the research is out there now backing up what we've been saying is doing so as jack mentioned there's a lot of guys now that are able to medicate and consume without having to look over their shoulder and i like to say that, that we had a lot to do with that because you know we did it the whole time and risked our careers and other guys before us did the same thing and risked their careers but you know once we got out we want to make it a point that we want to be the shield and the voice for those guys that i know need to medicate in the league but you know, we can't, we don't, we don't want them to get in trouble. So I've been a big advocate for it. Uh, I'm a part owner of a brand called Seven Leaves out of Sacramento, out of my hometown now. And continuing to push the, the narrative of the educational, the beneficial side. I think everyone gets caught up in the high side. And it to, we don't do it to be high, to be cool. We do it to medicate. We do it to help our bodies and help what our lifestyle is. So I'm big on just education and benefits of it, kind of removing the stigma of being high because there's so many ways you can take this plant, whether you, you know, whether it's drops, pills, uh, tinctures. Uh, edibles. There's so many different ways. I feel like there's a part of a plant that could help everyone from children to our grandparents. So I love, again, shout out to my brother Al Harrington and Viola for you know being black in this business. Um, I'm big on the social equity side, trying to help people get in this space as well, because we were most of the people most directly affected by the war on drugs. And now we're less than 4% of the representation in this space. So not only am I an advocate, a believer, a lover, I also want to you know give people that look like me an opportunity to uh, make some money in this space because we miss prohibition. We miss the gold rush. We can't miss this green rush. And again, we were the group of people who were most directly affected by the war on drugs. So we definitely need, you know, we need our pie to eat too. On May 16th, 2021, former NBA player and 2001 first overall pick Kwame Brown responded to conversations that were had on all the smoke with his former Washington Wizards teammate Gilbert Arenas and then in a separate episode with Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. Since leaving the league after a hard-fought 12-year career, 
Kwame has kept quiet, mostly out of the media spotlight. He decided to turn the camera on himself and air his gauntlet of grievances for the world to see, focusing his ire mostly on Matt and Stephen. All the elements that can make a story go viral were in play. Celebrity, controversy, comedy, and chaos. I'm going to ask two questions at once, so just to try to conserve some time. I was going to say, tell me about moments you both know, whether as a player on or off the court in your career, where you can honestly look in the mirror and say, I fucked up and I need to say something and fix that. I mean, I know I did that. I'm sure you guys have done that. I say that to ask this question. Where does the Kwame Brown situation fall into that category for you? Well, with me, well, with me, I can answer that. That's the only reason I apologize. You know, when I talked to him, he, he did some low stuff. We tried to put our conversation on Instagram and did all that. You see, I never responded like that. And I could, I could do the same thing and post a conversation. You know what I mean? But I didn't. And uh, we both wanted a public apology. He didn't do it. The only reason I apologized is because I didn't want to be a part of something that was been done 20 years to a brother. You know, we played together. That's the only reason I apologized. I didn't worry about nothing he said, Rex, because... No authentic person in the world gonna believe any of the, any of the personal stuff he said because you can't prove it. I'm, you can't assassinate my character no type of way. So the only reason I apologized, even after he got personal, was because I don't want to be a part of demeaning another brother after 20 years. We all have an opinion on basketball, Rex. We get paid for our opinions. And I'm going to stick with my opinion. But at the same time, belittling somebody, I didn't want to be a part of it. And, and I never want to be in that category, especially to somebody that I consider a teammate and a brother. So I apologize as a man. And what people don't know, when you apologize, Rex, you're not apologizing for that person. You apologize because you did wrong. And that's why I did. Got you. Um, got my you. take on it was kind of an unfortunate situation, uh, not to really reiterate anything Jack said, but obviously dude's been getting, you know, been the butt of the jokes for a long time. But what pissed me off was I never personally said nothing about the dude. His name never came out of my mouth. I laughed at or nudged Jack at a joke that Jack said, and, and, and that was the whole thing. It was a joke about his performance. Uh, never a man, never Kwame Brown, the person, the father, the businessman, because I don't know nothing about that. I don't even know the dude. I laughed at a little a, a snide remark he made, and then somehow, you know, he wants to start taking personal shots. So he kind of figured, you know, hey, these motherfuckers got a platform, a lot going for them. Let me let me take this. But before shit really hit the fan, what people don't know is. I don't know him, never met him, never shook hands, never had a word with him. Although we played against each other, just I don't know, homie. So I hit him on the DMs trying to get his number. Like, because once he first started talking about Jack and Gil, I hit dude up on the DMs like, yo, bro, holler at me, you know, see if we can squash this before because there's definitely a misunderstanding. That's not what we're about. We're not, if you watch our show, all we ever do is try to big people up and support people and, and be positive. So he looks at that, ignores it, and then starts on the personal attacks. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't listen to it because I know where I'm at. Jack is saved and he's Muslim and he's trying to turn over a new leaf, but that's not who I am. You know, to me, I'm with it. But at the same time, I'm 41 years old now, a father, and not that Jack isn't, but like I said, Jack has turned over a new leaf. I'm not in that space in my life. You know, I don't do well with disrespect, So I'm, but I'm in a no, new space. I'm a 41-year-old father. You know, just signed a new deal with Showtime that I'm a producer and star in my own fucking TV show on Showtime. You know what I mean? I'm signing deals left and right on me and bringing me and Jack new revenue streams all the time. So I had to take a step back like, OK, this dude is disrespecting. What are you going to do about it? You know, and, and it got really close to getting ugly. And but at the end of the day, again, 
I said what I had to say on social media. I never addressed the man personally or laughed or said anything until he was negative with my family because, like I said, I don't play that. I invited him on the show, told him if we have to box before, during, and after, then shake hands just to have this conversation. I'm willing to do that because you have a story that needs to be told. And he can make jokes and laugh, but a lot of it was derived from pain. The man was hurting. Again, that's that would be tough to be the butt of the jokes for 20-plus years. Again, although If he'd I have been the 21st pick, Instead of the first they pick, they it, wouldn't have said it shit. would be, that's they right. It's shit. just, that's and a tough thing, burden to live with. Right. And, and like you said, I mean, there's no mystery. My life, my fucking career was a grind. So I'm never going to put no one else's grind down because I know how to, I wasn't an all-star. I wasn't a first round pick. I had to crack, scratch and claw for 14 years. So it's not even in my character to go out there and, and, and nagle the attack. No, and it's not in Jack's either. Like I said, Jack made a joke and he took it the wrong way. So again, at the end of the day, he's getting all the attention he never got now. And I hope he does something constructive with it. You know, if you're going to create a podcast or I heard, heard he's selling t-shirts, like whatever you want to do to capitalize off this moment, capitalize on, but don't be a hypocrite and start doing the shit to other people that you said that people did to you for the last 20 years. If you want to use our platform to help yourself become relevant again, dope. But don't be fooled by all these people who are gassing you up now because three weeks ago, they didn't even fucking know you were still alive. They don't really care about you. They care about the drama. They want to see black men in particular go at each other and tear each other down. And like I said, me and Jack are just in a different space. If he would have caught us two or three years ago, I promise everybody it would have been a whole nother story. But, you know, we wish him well. We hope that he continues to, you know, make something out of this. Don't be a flash in the pan because you got this attention. Now build a platform off it. If you've got a podcast, do your thing, sell your t-shirts, but just leave people's name out your mouth, man, because no one disrespected him as a man. They were talking about his playing ability. And again, I didn't say shit about the motherfucker's playing ability to begin with to get dragged in this motherfucker. So again, you know, we wish him the best and um, it kind of is what it is. I'm glad you guys all have communicated because it's a fraternity, right? Right. Right. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, okay, what's the long-term plan for both of you? TV and media? Is it the podcast? Have you even thought about it? What's next? Well, with the podcast, we steady going up, man. We Like I said, Matt said, we got awards. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming. Uh, the podcast steady going up. Obviously, Matt is going to be uh, in behind the camera, and I'm trying to get start my acting career this year. I got a couple a couple roles. I got a lead role called a movie, uh, Freshman at 40, that I'm getting ready to start this year. Uh, Matt got a whole bunch of stuff that he, he lining me up for. And one thing I just want to say before we finish, to all athletes and to all brothers, that people who call, if you call somebody your brother, it's not important that you lead or be the face. It's not, as long as you and your brother go in a direction, I will follow Matt anywhere. If Matt go into a meeting, I don't have to be in the meeting, Rex, because I know I'm in the meeting. And that's the relationship we have. Matt is the brains, I'm the entertainment. We both got our own uh, a role in this thing. And you got to be able to stand on side of your brother and not worry about getting the credit. We both win it and that's all that matters, man. And, and, and I think that's, that's why our show has been so successful because we bring our brothers on and we give them our flowers and we showing people how to let your brother lead or just be a part of what your brother got going on. And as long as you both win it and stand together, it's easier that way. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you know, Rex, we've said numerous times we're able to move now as if we were superstars in the league. So, you know, me being in L.A. and just really being a, having that grinding mentality, you know, there's no stone unflipped when it comes to me as far as content creation. Um, you know, we, with our podcast, they gave us a channel over the, the iHeart called uh, the All the Smoke channel. So we're going to start creating more, curating more podcasts for our channel over there. As I mentioned, you know, I'm starring and producing my own show on Showtime called The Education of Match Barnes, which will be my transition from being a professional athlete to at the time when we created a single father three in L.A., business, advocate, looking for love, all that kind of shit. So it'll be similar to Little Dicky Show Dave. So just a, a reality, scripted reality, loosely based off my life. So, man, it's been a tremendous blessing. Um, Doris, and we got the cartoon too, yeah, man. Yeah, we got, we got an animated cartoon that we're working on uh, between hey, if me you and need, me. If you need a voice, if yes. you need Whiteberry White, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I mean, uh, it's just been a blessing, man. Too many things to list, but, you know, uh, along this process, to me, there's always got to be a give-back component. You know, Jack and I were both be able to play 14 years in the NBA, make money, make sound investments. So anything I get into, there has to be a give-back component, whether it's cannabis and the social equity or whether it's, you know, this All the Smoke show, the first season, I told there's all I see is white people. So now we hired a couple of my teammates from UCLA that, are, you know, shout out to Jelani McCoy and Ray Young. You know, we got more color uh, in the building, you know, so I'm... I'm always trying to open doors or bring people with me for whatever I'm doing. Uh, me and Jack have something good in this podcast space. Uh, we didn't know what it was, and now we won sports podcast here. We're up for two Webbies uh, that hopefully will win one or both uh, next month. So I think just to continue to inspire, encourage, similar to the Kwame Brown situation, you know, take this negative and hopefully he can spin that into a business in this space. Because at the end of the day, we're all about empowering everyone. So continuing to show people that you don't have to be a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan or a Chris Paul to have business after basketball. You know, all you need is yourself and a belief and a grind and the doors are open. So um, again, blessed beyond belief, don't have time for the bullshit and want to continue to inspire and motivate um, our people out there. Beautiful. Matt, Stephen, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me today for this open and honest discussion on charges. It's been a pleasure to watch both of you play, and it's brought me so much joy to see your passion for the game translate into being the next generation of athletes with a voice. I want you to know that my door is always open. I'm always excited for you guys and what lies ahead in your futures individually and together. Thanks, fellas. You got some real, nah, my you got some real hey, shit today, Rex. We appreciate you, man. Thank you for having us. But yeah, <laughs> nah, you got thank the scoop you guys. today. No doubt, it'll be good. We'll blow it you up. You're gonna go viral, Rex. You're going viral today, baby. And then we hey, need baby. to, uh, we, we we need to get you on all the smoke too. One of these days. So you we want to do. You let it, me know. We want to do it in person so you can come feel the vibe. So we'll fly you out to LA. We can hang out a little bit and then get on the interview. I'm in. I'm in. Rex, you let me know. Appreciate you, bro. All right, fellas. Much love. Talk to you soon. Much love, Rex. Later, stack. Later, stack. Charges, sharing our run-ins with the law Charges, athletes, entertainers, and brawlers Charges, every celebrity ain't flawless Charges, we came a long way from living lawless Charges, sharing our run-ins with the law Charges, athletes, entertainers, and brawlers Charges, every celebrity ain't flawless Charges, we came a long way from living lawless Charges Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.